So there's a lot of concern that we talk about, uh, you know, of the importing of the Trump-style rhetoric in Canada. Well, I hate to break it to you, but it is very much already here. It has been for a long time. Earlier this week, you may recall NDP MP Charlie Angus called Doug Ford white trash. And because it's Doug Ford, it gets a pass. I mean, if it were, let's say, I don't know, any other male politician in this country, well, not a conservative, they don't count. Uh, there, there would be hell to pay. I mean, he would have had to have apologized already. But again, vilifying the right is an acceptable sport. You know, we do not have the bombastic Trump-style rhetoric here, but we have something I think is worse, because at least with the Trump-style rhetoric, you see it. It's right there out in the open. We have identity politics. It's very, you know, nuanced division of politics. It's a, a good versus evil. You know, Trudeau's the good guys, the conservatives are bad guys. Example, just today, uh, Justin Trudeau in one of his year-end interviews said, quote, he's very confident he will win the 29 re-election because he's going to stick to his positive, thoughtful approach versus the fear and division of the conservatives. Trudeau good. Sure bad. Well, look, the, the talk does not match the walk for our kinder, gentler friends on the left. You know, you've got the opposition called ambulance chasers, Neanderthals, racists, Nazis, you name it. They're name callers. And if that's what the high road looks like in the country, in this country, I think it is pretty clear that the 2019 election is going to be fought in a ditch. I want to bring in Ali Tagva to this conversation. He's the editor-in-chief for The Post Millennial, and he writes about the division of identity politics in his latest article. He joins us now. Ali, I think it's uh, safe to say that, that 2019 is going to be very ugly, but identity politics, the kind of, of politics, the ugly politics we've seen in the United States, it's here already. I think we're just a little more polite about it, but it is very much out in the open. Yeah, I, I think it certainly is. Um, it's American politics with a Canadian uh, flavor to it, a little shot. Um, but it's certainly already here, and it's certainly here on the left. I think the big difference here is that um, on the right, you see a lot of people kind of saying, yep, it exists, it's kind of a problem, we should work on that. Um, and on the left, it's sort of something that's almost unseen. You kind of pretend like it's not happening um, and just continue to attack. Right. And you wrote about, and this is why I kind of caught on to it, you wrote about Charlie Angus. You know, he called mm-hmm. uh, Doug Ford white trash. And and look, I don't get bent out of shape on that kind of stuff. It was a below-the-belt comment. But again, if mm-hmm. we don't want the divisive kind of politics that we see in the United States, you know, when Hillary Clinton, you know, calls Trump supporters basket of deplorables, then we mm-hmm. shouldn't be playing these games here. It's very divisive. It's, it's insanely divisive, and I think the saddest part is, um, well, like I, I have an NDP background. You know, I was one of the younger uh, writing presidents when I was 16 and 15. Um, and looking at the NDP today, and even looking at any party today, you notice that there has been a drastic shift towards divisiveness. I, I think even in my article, I, I brought it up that it's very strange to see the NDP, a party that purports itself to be you know, working class, very positive, um, very past the point of using labels uh, to come back and use uh, labels like white trash. And I think that has something to do with, with what's happening with the social media web and how elections are kind of progressing. Um, I, was, you know, I was talking to a, a political um, individual a while back, and the point he brought up was that, look, media is no longer the gatekeeper. I'm not talking to anyone but my base. Right. 
And I'm not going back. I'm going to keep talking to my base the way they want to hear it. Uh, and that's how I'm going to go forward. Um, and I think when you look at politics today, it's sort of like every politician has moved, ma- moved past the idea of talking to the average Canadian. And they're sort of just talking to the most intense portion of their base, trying to get them active and, and, and trying to keep them you know, on par. Okay, so let me interject then, because I would say that's not really working for the NDP, because the NDP of my younger years was really the working man's party. This was the the blue-collar voter that now seems to identify with a guy like Doug Ford. But the NDP of today are much more, you know, silver spoon kind of, you know, I think they've lost touch with their roots. Uh, Well, I think one of the things that happened when you you brought forward Jagmeet Singh is that some of the um, union crowd, some of the union crowd felt a little pushed to the edge. And they're now more extreme because they feel left out and that their voice is not being heard from groups like, you know, Jagmeet Singh's NDP. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at the composition of the, of the parties, um, I would argue that because of identity politics, on a lot of key issues, parties on the left are actually losing connection to the minority groups and, and to, the, to the segmented groups that they normally try to target. And I think that's one of the biggest problems with identity politics. You end up sort of speaking on behalf of other people. Right. Um, you end up assuming, for example, that 100% of the indigenous community is against 100% of oil sands development. Right. And acting like it, when in reality it's, it's nothing like that, and there's many communities on both sides who have very valid arguments um, and we move past that, right? We, we don't listen to the other side. We just sort of pretend one side's dominating. Um, and it's, it's normal, but it's worrying. Uh, and at the federal level, we've seen this especially with, in areas like the ISIS returnees, mm-hmm. where if you ask questions, you become a racist, uh, or, or even on areas, uh, you know, like national security. Immigration, yeah. Immigration. It, it's sort of just you're a racist if you ask about it, and it's like, well, no, I'm not a racist. I just genuinely care about the thousands of people who've come across the border who now wait, you know, up to six years without having their case settled. They now make a life here and then they're deported. That just doesn't make sense. It makes zero sense. Uh, and questioning that shouldn't be wrong. Right. And I do tend to agree with you. But, you know, it's interesting because this seemed to kind of come to Canada uh, when the Obama team came in to help Justin Trudeau with his first campaign, the hope and hard work. This was like a franchise they brought here where Mm. it's the old we'll go high, they'll go low, where you come off as the really super nice, kind, caring side. And those other people are just really bad because they disagree with us. But but it's so nuanced in its um, in its divisiveness. It's actually Mm -hmm. not friendly at all. I think it's quite dangerous. No. I, I think it's, it's certainly dangerous. And you can see where the roots come from uh, and where uh, the, the, these places can cause division. Um, with the prime minister, you have a 2010 comment from him saying, you know, I believe that the best prime ministers have been from Quebec. <laughs> and I think the question that, uh, that was asked from him was, do you believe that the country is better served when there are more Quebecers in charge than Albertans? Um, and that kind of phrasing of questions, that kind of uh, politics is something that's becoming very common. And it's on the left, they just keep passing it along as if it's, it's not something divisive. And it, it clearly is, right? Passing the idea that Quebecers are the, are the dominant class in this country is, is really problematic when you consider there's many other provinces with their own cultures and their own people um, who'd like to say we own an equal part of this country. And yet today, you know, 
you know, right after I read the, the Charlie Angus piece that you wrote, then then I see that Justin Trudeau in his year enders is, is boasting, you know, he feels very confident that he's going to win 2019 re-election because, as he says, he's going to stick to his positive, thoughtful approach, you know, versus the fear and division of the conservatives. And yet this is the government that has turned around and uses words like alt-right or Nazis or uh, un-Canadian or, I mean, mm-hmm. pick pick an issue and they will come by ambulance chasers. I mean, they are, are very meticulous with being able to wedge their opposition and name call. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's 100 percent for sure. I think the Trudeau government even a few months ago came out and said that the 2019 will be divisive uh, even before the recent article. Mm-hmm. So the expectation was that it was going to be very tough. And if you look at the polls, the liberals and the conservatives are, are getting closer, but the liberals are keeping the edge because the NDP are sort of collapsed in on themselves. Right. Um, for that to keep happening, the liberals have to kind of occupy some ground of the NDP. And I think he's, he, at the end of the day, he understands that if he stays on the identity politics wing of it, um, the NDP will most likely not be able to reform because they will not be able to grab a large portion of their, uh, I would like to say, like their intellectual base, mm-hmm. the university lawyer crowd of the NDP. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that happens, it's it's basically game over for a lot of conservatives. Unless, unless the green, unless the green continues to keep messing up. Yeah, or unless the green, the green party uh, does does better than expected. Uh, but interestingly, you know. Uh, so Jagmeet saying I don't have a whole lot of hope in because I think he's just I think he's been really misguided in his attempts to, to win a side. At the same time, I also think this is an election that 2019 is not predicted to be a good year. So Trudeau's no, going to have to run on his record. But he's also you know, he's going to have to answer some very tough questions. He can't just rag the puck on Alberta oil forever. He can't keep ragging the puck on a bunch of big economic issues. So the name calling goes only so far but if he has to make he has to make some tough decisions this year yeah i mean we've the typical idea is that you you provide more benefits as you lead up to the election cycle and canadians have been getting benefits almost every year there was a new report just that just came out as well saying the federal government is now potentially considering a basic minimum income for all canadians Mm -hmm. and it's like how will we realistically pay for that how will we pay for that in a recession how are we going to pay for the um, pharmacare and that? Yeah, yeah, all these things combined. I think there was the deficit now is 19 billion, but another government report had a projection of up to 30 billion in deficits annually. Um, so it's it's going to kind of come down to do Canadians actually care about their pocketbook? I think a recent Angus Reid report released within the last couple of days said that the number one issue yeah. is deficits. But will Canadians care about those deficits when they're looking at all these you know benefits that they're getting? And in some cases, not realizing how much it's costing their pocketbooks. Yeah. Well, it's a- uh, now, while all this is just sort of like political, right? It's all dependent on how people per- perceive what's happening. My biggest fear is that the country's economy fundamentally is very weak. Yeah. A large portion of the Canadian population survives on $200 or less uh, after depositing their paycheck. And although the economy is stronger than the last couple of years, that portion of the population is still hurting. That's mm-hmm. not the portion of the population that's regained wealth or is continuing to grow. Um, and these new taxes that are continuously being added on uh, could cripple them yeah. come a recession. And I think that's the real risk. Um, it's not necessarily will keep Canadians accepted because I do think Canadians do like deficits and they do like services. 
um, more than we like to give them credit for. It's more like, will the country actually you know, be able to hold it? And will those Canadians be able to survive? Yeah. Well, it always comes down to economics and what's in your pocket. And I think you're right. If we do get a recession or, as they're calling it, the debt bomb goes off, I think we're going to have a bunch of Canadians looking and saying, oh, gosh, we have to uh, you know, do something real fast. And whether or not Trudeau is the one to deliver it, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We will wait and see. Ali, thank you so much for uh, chatting with us. I appreciate it. It was great being on. Thank you, Alex. That is Ali Tagva joining us uh, tonight for this chat. We'll have him on again. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.